Hey DNVR listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has even helped decrease anxiety. Basically, you name it, it's done it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we really could not recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations today or order online at mygreensolution.com. You can reserve products and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout and you'll be in and out in minutes. Plus, you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Haefeli. The Avs just suffered their first loss in regulation of the season to the St. Louis Blues, and we are going to get into this and break it all down for you. But first, I want to preface a lot of this show with the fact that the Avs are 7-1-1. It's one loss. They're still at the top of the Central Division. Obviously, the loss isn't great, and I think there were a lot of problems with the process, but at the end of the day, it still only goes down as one loss no time to panic. It's at the end of a road trip where they played five games in eight days. They were obviously tired on the ice. There's a lot of reasons you can just light this game tape on fire, basically. AJ, are you in a similar boat there? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is going to be an overall like negative show because it was a bad night on the ice. But don't don't let that get it twisted. They're 7-1-1. One, and one. The only thing that you're not feeling good about right now is Miko Rantanen. Everything else, though, overall, you're feeling good. You're feeling good. I mean, honestly, what else is there to say? Uh, you're you're seven one and one, and you don't like to lose to division opponents. But we said three and three on the road trip. They, no matter what, we're going to do better than that coming into tonight. And given that it's like it's it's more of like a five game road trip and then a plus one than it is a six game road trip. So they did their job. They they walked out of there three one and one and you know they're atop their division. They've even got a little bit of a cushion there. More it's not as much of a cushion as it could have been, of course, because that's what happens when you lose games. But I mean, come on. You're still overall, whole picture. You're still feeling good about this. It just wasn't a good night. Right. It very much so was one night of of poor play with plenty of 
backing reasons behind that. The five games in eight days, you've been on the road for all of that. <laughs> Other reasons as well that yeah, maybe are more on the abs, which we'll get into. But before we dive into all of the minutia and, and stuff of this game, the real scary problematic takeaway from this game is Miko Rantanen out with a lower body injury. Obviously something with his left left leg, unclear if it's ankle or knee, but it did not look great. Uh, we won't know more until they get into Colorado and he gets that MRI, but yikes. Yeah, and tomorrow's an off day, so the only the only way we'll know if it's really bad is if they call somebody up. Because, right. you know, that then they will be like, they will know, okay, this is... This is at least a multi-week thing. We're going to call somebody up, and we're going to get them here to to probably sit on the bench, honestly. But I, you know, we're not going to know. We're not going to know until Wednesday any kind of idea. Uh, classic Jared Bednar post game. I haven't talked to the trainer, but he did. He did give more than normal when he said that it was bad enough that he did not continue to play, and that should be a hint. Most of these guys you know, will do crazy things to continue to play, even in regular season games. And that, you know, Rantanen lingered on the bench and he lingered and it, it looked like he was trying to trying to get it to to feel a little bit better. And then it was obvious that it just, it was a no-go for him. And that was that man. And he went back to the room and that was the last we saw of him. Uh, cause for major concern. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I think the Avs probably still lose this game if Rantanen is healthy. I don't think it really changed the trajectory that everything was on, but it certainly made things a lot worse as the Avs had to start cycling through players and the issues they were having were just compounded by the fact that all of a sudden there was no set lines anymore. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... Uh, people were tweeting at me like, Oh, who's who replaced Miko on the top line? And it was like, well, everybody did. Because there were no lines anymore after that. It was duos with a, you know, I mean, I don't even know if it was duos. It was just random, like we saw Burakovsky uh with Landeskog and, and McKinnon, and we saw Kadri and we saw uh Comfer at the start of the third period. Like it was everybody got a got a got a shot. I saw Nieto up there for a minute. Like at some at some point, you know, they, they, everybody was playing with everybody. It, it was like a preseason game with the way that they were just like, ah, we're just going to throw out all these combos and we're just going to see what happens. Yeah, and fortunately what happened was not much of anything all the way through. But basically, Rantanen, boy, if it's something serious, that's, that's a real problem that the Avs are going to have to solve. If it's... You know, he's out for a bit, even a, a week or two. Not great, but yeah. manageable. <laughs> right now, if you could tell me right now that he would only be out for two weeks, I would say yes. Right. You take it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, if I had to pick, do I do I take the 10% chance that he's not out at all? Do I take the 40% chance that he's out for two weeks or the 50% chance that he's out for, you know, 12 weeks? I'm taking I'm ta I'm taking 2 weeks. I'm I will take that. That is fine. Not a gambler. <clears throat> yeah, no, not not no, god no. 
So, um, not anymore anyway. <laughs> You've learned that lesson. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. Um, no, really though. I, that's, you were really, I mean, you're nervous about that and everything that we talk about moving forward, you know, who's going to replace him. What, what's the prognosis? How long, you know, obviously I think the easy part is you put Burkowski up there. He's been rocking. He's been rolling. He's been showing that he can do some things. That's fine. He did not look good in preseason with those guys, but he didn't look pre in good in preseason with any guys. So it has, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, when, when you go out and you get this guy and you say, we're going to play him in the top six, when you lose your top right wing and you've been playing this guy as your second right wing, you just move him up and you know, how, how that affects the rest of the lineup. It'll have a trickle down effect. Um, Nachushkin probably draws back into the lineup, all those things, but really it's, if they lose Ranton in for an extended period of time they're I, I mean, they like every other NHL team that loses a star player are in trouble. No doubt about that. I, I think that's pretty clear. We're going to go ahead and take our first little break here because Rantanen being out long-term makes me want to drink. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established here in Colorado in 1990. And I've told you about any number of their beers. Uh, Let's take the Vanilla Porter today. Why not? That's one of their more classic beers, their darker beer. It's also surprisingly tasty. I'm, I'm used to like very earthy dark beers, but putting the vanilla in there really gives a little bit of extra kick. And so it's one of my favorites. That's like all time Breck brew favorites is probably that one. Obviously the avalanche Amber and then the strawberry sky. Those three are the, are the true standouts. The other ones are good, but, but not as good as those. So keep an eye out at your local liquor store for any of those Breckenridge beers. I guarantee you they make at least one that you will like if you like beer or even if you don't in AJ's case. Yo, but, strawberry sky, <laughs> six yeah. pack on sale at King Supers, seven bucks. Boom. There you go. Make yeah. that happen. Easy six-pack for a night in or a night out or whatever you're doing. You can also keep an eye on the DNVR.com and the Breckenridge event calendar where we have all of our events planned since it looks like bars are at least now allowed to broadcast abs away games. We will certainly be having some of those watch parties where we'll be drinking Breck brews and you can come out and join us. And we also have a little bit extra special something going on. If you're not yet subscribed to DNVR, Now is the time to do it. A DNVR membership, really, we have more abs coverage than I think we've ever had before, especially in post-game stuff like this, whether it's pods, videos, written articles. You have a billion other things as well. Player quotes can get into just straight up locker room audio. I, I really am so impressed with how much content that there is and You can also help myself out, or if you're not a fan of me, you can help AJ out. When you subscribe, you can use code RUDO for me. AJ, I don't actually know your code. AJ. Oh, wow. So (laughs) could have guessed that one. Okay. Complex. RUDO or AJ, when you sign up for an annual membership with DNVR, that kind of puts it down in our little book as we try to win a year's supply of Breckenridge Brewery. So... I would much appreciate it if you did that. And yeah, like I said, this the, the membership is clearly worth it. So 
keep an eye out for it and and maybe it's time to take the plunge as far as that is concerned back into abs hockey though let's start first period and just kind of work our way along both teams ended up trading a power play goal in the first the abs puck management from the word go was just not what it needed to be tonight and it pretty much shined all the way through yeah, they were sloppy. Um, maybe more than that, man. I I thought that the hard on pucks, one of those yeah. things that Bedner's been talking about for three years that his first team very much was not. His second team was a little bit more. Last year's team was a little bit more. And so far, this year's team has been a lot bit more. Not at all tonight. Made life way too easy on the Blues carrying pucks and breaking out. Right. I I think it goes both ways as well. They weren't hard on pucks defensively, and offensively they were pushed off of pucks far too easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think maybe one of the more telling sequences of the game was the Burkowski penalty, the first one. Yeah. Where got too cute in in, in the defensive zone with the puck. One, a sign of a confident player. So, like, that part would have, that part of it was nice because a guy that's not feeling confident is not going to try to pass the puck between his own legs and spin around and do all kinds of crazy stuff in his own zone. But <laughs> by the end of that shift, less confident because he had gotten four-checked to death and then basically was forced to take a, a penalty because he had he had lost the puck, lost his man, and the foot race. And that felt kind of like a microcosm of the whole night. Yeah, and let's give credit where credit is due here to the Blues. They didn't skip a shift. They were on the abs every single second of this game. I mean, this was, this was St. Louis playing a St. Louis game. This is one of those games where you watch the Blues and you look at their schedule and you're like, how in the world have they lost four games in a row? Yeah, when they look like this, it's hard to think like that they would struggle like that. Right. And when you go and you when you watch them lose games, it's usually a combination of mediocre goaltending, mediocre defense, and they just get straight out talented by teams because the high-end talent on the Blues is just sort of okay. That's not right. a team that you go to when you think of, "Whew, that team is loaded with all-stars." You're like Alex Petrangelo, maybe Ryan O'Reilly. Tarasenko really hasn't been that guy for several years now, although still a great player. And that's kind of it. Like, end of list. You know, good players, lots of good players, though. That's a deep team that gets on you. Four lines of guys that give you 20-plus points. You know, a top nine that is full of guys who have 40-point seasons in their history or are top prospects. You know, it's just it's a deep forward core that gets on top of you and just makes life miserable. It's it's a full team full. It's a team full of like strong two way grinder types with high offensive ceilings, higher offensive ceilings than those guys usually have. And it's just a bunch of them. It's like it's like they've cornered the market on those guys, like the hard working, hard on pucks, you know, gritty, grinded out, et cetera, et cetera, like the supersized versions of Matt Calvert's, 
you know, those those kinds of guys. And it's just an entire team full of them. Yeah, and they imposed what they wanted to do on the game. And let's be real, the Avs just straight up let them, and they didn't really have much pushback. That's just kind of the way of the game, the way the pace wins. I do think the Avs just straight up could not keep up at this point. The whole team looked fairly exhausted, especially by the end of it. Five games in eight days. You cannot blame them for that. But the talent did not shine through. As you said, the Blues get out-talented, and the Avs didn't do that. Not one bit. They, I mean, they didn't outdo St. Louis in any aspect. Except maybe self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that Ian Cole penalty, not man. What you want to do? <laughs> that Ian Cole penalty is just like, yeah, that. And you know, he feels awful cool. about it. He's sitting there like, God, what? Am, I cannot believe I did something that stupid. But it's just instinct, you know. In the game, you're not thinking about it; you're just reacting, and just dumb. And that that was kind of their night, man. I mean, they they lost in every phase of the game. They did, and we will end our full segment one there before we kind of get back into more of the finer points of the Avs issues in some parts we might have a few bones to pick with. But when you're talking about the Avs and the Blues, I have trouble placing them because the Blues are the Stanley Cup champions, but the Avs look like the better team this year by a long shot. So... I don't know. It seems like the abs are in the higher tax bracket right now, and there's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard abs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbio Tax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution with Rudo and AJ. I've saved it for the second segment specifically. It's time to talk about the Avs power play again. I know we've talked about it a lot. They scored a goal in this game. It was on the five on three, and it was strictly an individual effort by Nathan McKinnon on a seeing eye shot that somehow found its way through. And the rest of the night was brutal. Ironically named at this point to to call it a power play <laughs> because it looks like all power goes out of that building. Yeah. All energy gets sucked right out by its its total lack of urgency. They look like they're in practice when they're on the power play. It's well, what made it even more frustrating is the first power play of the game that they got. They were moving their feet. They were skating. They were feeding Kadri in the middle. They were generating chances. And then they just stopped doing it. They just the rest of the game. They didn't even try it. Everyone went to their spots and stood still mm-hmm. and it looked horrible. I mean, that's assuming they were able to able to get into the zone. Do you that's remember true. the second power play? Uh, that one was. Second power play, you know, there were yeah. five of them, so it I was might be the wrong. Second one. No, it was a minute it was, and 30 seconds yeah. of them just futilely trying to get into the zone and failing. Yeah, it was it was so bad that they just, boop, better just pulled them off. They got into the neutral zone, failed it again, and he goes, get off the ice. 
Second unit jumps on with like 50 seconds to go. <clears throat> and nothing nothing changed. It didn't get any better. It wasn't it wasn't like it was all of a sudden magic, you know? It was it was the zone entry. The first okay, so the first power play, I agree with you. The process was great. If it looked like that all the time, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. But they also won that face off and didn't have to worry about a zone entry. That's the one thing that they've got now with Kadri dominating in the face-off circle that they haven't had to worry about uh, in in or that they haven't had the luxury of in previous years because McKinnon or Landeskog would lose the face-off, the puck would get down, and they would have to they would have to go and do the whole zone entry thing. Tonight, when they they won multiple face-offs to start the power play, you don't have to worry about setting up shop. Then you're you're done. You won the face-off, like you're finished. And those were the ones where they generated their best chances. They otherwise their zone entry has been awful. And, you know, I've been a big defender of the, of the drop pass for much longer than everybody else be solely because it just worked for a long time. And, and it largely works because Nathan McKinnon is special. We see that when the second unit tries it and JT Comper does it all of a sudden, you're like, what is this? It just looks totally different. Nathan McKinnon, when he does it, he is special at this, at this one aspect of the game. And a lot of that has to do with his speed and his ability to, to stick handle through traffic. Because you'll see, PK units will stand up Colorado skaters at the line. One of them will drop off to try and stick with McKinnon. But a lot of times, he just tries to cut in, just get into the zone, Go straight to the corner, bounce the puck off the wall to whichever forward has taken three steps inside the zone. Most of the time, that's Landeskog on the left side of the ice where he where McKinnon's on his forehand. And then Landeskog either moves the puck back down to McKinnon, who then circles up top, while McKinnon circles down low and everybody is set up. Other times, Landeskog will try and move the puck over to the defenseman, whether it be McCarr or Gerard. And then that guy will either move it over to the right or, you know, he'll whatever. And then McKinnon and Landeskog switch and get set up into their positions. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what they're trying to do. And I've said over and over, over the, over the years on this pod, a power play is all about the abuse of space. You have an extra player. That is what you're trying to do. A PK unit is all about trying to limit the, the, the dangerous areas that you get with that extra space. And what their zone entry is doing is is no longer doing is it's not creating space anymore because teams have figured out how to step up and deny at the line. When they get over the line with puck possession, they almost never have a problem getting set up. But now teams have figured this out. And that's this is because the entry, it started as just McKinnon back there. And it still is that a lot of times. Then the added wrinkle was the defenseman that makes the drop pass. Last year it was Barry would skate up to the blue line on the right side, cut to the left and go through the middle, forcing the defenseman to either follow him or open up a passing or open up a passing option for McKinnon as he was driving in. And if they, if they followed, if one of the defenders followed him, that opened up an area for McKinnon to skate into. None of that is happening anymore. And so they tried to add in a wrinkle of adding a second guy back there. Now it's, now it's Landeskog 
next to next to McKinnon, where if the if the high PK guy, the the one guy that they have in the neutral zone trying to pressure the puck around center ice, he gets on the puck. McKinnon can either just try and walk that guy, just go right by him, or he'll pass off to Landeskog. And then Landeskog then, without having anywhere near the same amount of speed as McKinnon, because obviously, then he has to make a split decision. Do I dump the puck? Do I try and stick handle through two guys? Where do I, you know, do I do I try and pass it off to somebody else? Which is never really the option. We never really see him do that. And that's why he tries to skate the puck into the zone a lot of times. And defensemen defenders are good pk guys are good it's good defensive forwards and it's good defensemen and so they've got active sticks that are just denying it all you have to do is break up the puck possession and then race back and go get it because you have the advantage of being on that side of the blue line it's there are two things there that i want to talk about because first i do like the wrinkle of adding a second player back there because it does give you someone else that can enter the zone with speed. Because a huge problem I had with the drop pass for the whole time that it's been a thing is the way the Avs set it up is they have three, if not four guys, straight up standing at the blue line, literally just taking up space. They're not going to be a part of the entry at all, no matter what. They're just standing there waiting for someone else to enter, and then they can get set up. The second guy helps that. If you're using it correctly, I wouldn't even hate seeing a third guy back. And or at, at that point, you're essentially just eliminating the drop pass. But moving as a unit with speed, especially when you see something like the Blues, how giving they were. They didn't have a single player above the red line there. And you need to take advantage of that, get up to speed, and enter the zone with speed if they're going to give you the room to get up to it. The second part, that second guy being Landis Gog doesn't feel right. We talked about it two games ago, how he's struggling a bit. And that continued on the power play. Whenever he had to enter, as you said, it almost always just kind of resulted in, well, I guess I have to dump it in now. And the puck was picked up by the blues and out of the zone. I think (laughs) maybe the easiest, that's the easy solution to this is you dump it in for a game or two uh you you and obviously you have to succeed at it because if you don't then it's pointless then you're doing exactly what the other team wants well, you to do you see if you're dumping the puck in you need to not have three players standing still right at the blue that's line. the you thing need- is that they need to be coming in with speed okay right if the other team is going to stand at the blue line then what they need to do if they even if they want to try and continue using the drop pass have the drop pass go and then have whatever defenseman is there, you know, start to circle back around behind the guy he drops it to. And then you have three guys who are skating forward at full speed. And then McKinnon just dumps it in over their head. Dump it into right. the corner where the goalie can't become a factor in it. And then all of your guys are already moving with speed. And that's how you do it. And then you try and rim the puck around the wall and take advantage of that. That's yeah. maybe, I mean, that's. That's how I would break this. I would do that for a couple of games, give that a whirl. I'm not an X's and O master though, so it's not like, you know, it's not like I have like a world of amazing ideas here, but I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, okay, they're they're standing up at the blue line. Take advantage of that. Your team speed is one of your best attributes to begin. Just throw it in high over them, but come in with speed. 
don't just have one guy moving. If you have four guys standing still and they are choosing to defend you by having four guys standing at the blue line, you are playing into their hands strategically. It gets players back in their element too, right? Landy might not be the fastest guy. He's certainly not the best guy at handling the puck and entering the zone. But if you're dumping pucks in and Landy has speed while the person defending him does not, Landy's either getting to that puck and winning the puck battle or the other team is taking an interference penalty. Right. I mean, you force them to be good because right now you're all you're doing is you are just running into a wall. They are setting up a wall at the blue line, and you're just plowing into it. So it's, yeah, it's just been brutal. The, on the, the, abs, the abs are trying to treat Nathan McKinnon like, you ever, did you ever see Lord of the Rings Two Towers? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember Do you remember the, uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep? Of course. Okay. First of all, right answer. Like one <laughs> of the all-time like great cinematic scenes, uh, like battle scenes, I should say. But do you remember the? Do you remember how they broke the wall? They had the orc yeah. with the little torch, and he just sprinted with it, dove head first, and blew it all up. Like that was their, that was their like hail mary, right? And that's kind of what the abs are doing against these these walls. Uh, is that they're sending? You know, Nathan McKinnon is the orc with the torch, and McKinnon's got to take three arrows and keep chugging to get exactly. Into his yeah. That's exactly it. And like when it works, you're like, oh, wow, that was really easy. Okay, I get it. But when it doesn't, you're like, dude, come on. And I'm not saying that you have to get in there every single time. There's an NHL team on the other side. Of but course. We, we also don't see the abs. And the drop pass is not an abs specific thing. This is something that the majority of NHL teams do. But the abs don't defend it as well as they get defended. And I think that's what drives me crazy is that we see they practice against this and they when they when they go up against teams that utilize this strategy, they don't do just they just don't do the same thing. I don't know if that's because they don't trust their defensemen because all of their PK guys are big lumbering guys who aren't fast, you know, between between Zadorov, uh, Cole and Graves, you've got three guys that you don't want in foot races. And Eric Johnson at 31 is no longer the skater he used to be. When he gets up to speed, you see those flashes. But that that initial burst is no longer what it used to be. So maybe that's why they're afraid to do it. But take that chance. If if you're afraid to do it, how do you break it? Like, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, uh, how do you how do you continue to think that this is the best way to go about this? And I understand. The analytics side of this, the guy that one of their analytics guys, that's what got him his notoriety in in the analytics world. He was he was a guy that did a ton of really interesting work on the power play and was one of the ones who was banging the table and said four forwards and one defenseman is the way to go versus three and two. He was also one of the guys that that showed the importance of zone entries, controlled zone entries on the power play. And, and the effect that that had all of this plays into the work that they've done and the analytics that say controlled zone entries on the power play at five V five, all of these things lead to you scoring a hell of a lot more often than dumping and chasing. I 100% understand that, but unless they come up with a different kind of zone entry that allows them to get in there, they have got to try and change something up because watching right. them continue 
to make Nathan McKinnon the orc with the torch is just not going to work. Especially if Miko Rantanen is out for any period of time. You have to keep other teams honest, right? If you're even dumping the puck in 20% of the time, the Blues cannot sit stationary at the blue line because they're going to lose every race to every puck that gets dumped in. But if you're skating the puck in 100% of the time, never trying to dump it in, always getting stood up at the blue line, the onus is on the Avs to change the strategy because it's not working for them. You can't force it. You have to get the other team to adjust as well. Right. So you have to make teams react to you. And, you know, right now, right now, what they're seeing on tape and what they've been defending, because this goes back again, this goes back a year. This has been going on that teams have been seeing this exact thing on tape and have been defending it. They've played multiple games against every single team in the NHL. They all know. Yep. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we didn't even really get into the in-zone issues that I have with the ab stagnation. But we'll go ahead and end the second segment there. We might get into that in the third segment, or, or maybe we'll look at a couple of other things as well. But first, if you're looking for that Breckenridge beer and you don't want to leave your own home, you can use Total Beverage. They have a fantastic deal going on right now. They're offering 30, that's right, 30% off to the DNVR fam on a purchase of $25 or more. All you have to do is use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. And as you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area, from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and get that 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home. Cheers. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We're talking about the Avs' first regulation loss to the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to try and put a positive spin on this. Obviously, losing Miko Rantanen is a bad thing. There's no two ways around that. But that top line has really been struggling quite a bit through the past three, four, five games. Yes, they're so good that they still managed to produce points. Rantanen got an assist in the one period that he actually played in this game. But is this an opportunity to sort that out. Can you see if Gabe Landeskog works with a Kadri? Can you see if a Donskoy or a Burakovsky can work with a Nathan McKinnon? And does that give the Avs more options down the line instead of having to lean on that three-headed monster? It's definitely uh, what I would do. I would break it all up. Uh, I would I, I would keep the fourth line intact because don't mess with perfection. Uh, and then I would smash it all up, jumble it all up. I would, uh, I would go Donskoy and, and McKinnon, Kadri, or Landis Cog and Kadri, uh, Jost and Comfer, and then Worker fill in. Sure, however I'm, you wanted to, you know. Yeah, Nachushkin next to uh, next to Jost and Comfer could play that heavy role if they wanted him to. Uh, it's obvious he can't beat a goaltender, so that's fine. Just go win puck battles. Go be a big guy win puck battles and pass it to those two dudes. Because first of all, right now, Tyson Jost looks flat out possessed. 
and JT Confer's always been a good shooter. Yeah, they're they are goal scorers in the NHL. I, I think even Jost is a little bit of a different style. He's not going to be that one-time missile type guy, but yeah. he still has a real wrist shot. <clears throat> right. And ooh, did he, man, he almost beat Bennington tonight. Yeah. Clean. It was yeah. almost. And, and I was like, where has that been for the last three years? You know, cause that's always been one of my issues with him is that beating goalies is like a, ah, it's like pulling teeth for that guy. And then he goes and he smokes Vasilevsky and all of a sudden he's like, I can do this to anybody. And anyway, point being, I'm excited about the possessed version well, of Tyson Jost. I mean, we can go down this path. Just no, had four I'm, shots on goal in this game. And he has had 18 shots on goal total. So I mean, he, was, had, he was flying around, dude. But yeah, like, we've always talked about, oh, my God, Tyson Jost looks like he's skating in cement. And then tonight I'm sitting there. and I'm like, dude, Tyson Jost looks like like lightning in his skates or something like what is going on here he is clearly feeling it and on a night where nobody else was it really stood out yeah exactly he was he was hard on pucks he was digging he was getting after it uh and he was helping create i i legitimately his line mates need to dump the puck into the zone towards the goaltender because that dude is a straight ninja when he is when he is tracking goaltenders trying to make plays with pucks. Like he gets in there, dude, and he reads that so well. There you go. Nicknames. Tyson the Ninja Jost. <laughs> like but- I, I like honestly, I just think that he is showing some things. Uh and 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 I would keep him and Confer together and then put the heavy as their third guy. Like, that's where Colin Wilson works right now. That's what I would do with Nichushkin. Uh, and then in in the rest of that lineup, I would probably go... Uh, I would probably go uh, Landeskog, Kadri, and Wilson. So are you buying into Confer's defensive acumen there? Or are you saying... No one is going to want to play offense against Landis God Kadri. No. Um, I think I just I like the combination of Jost and Comper. Okay. I just, just make it I, work. I think they work well together. They have chemistry. Uh, and I think that when they're going well, they they can attack teams in a lot of different ways. And I think their skill sets are just very complimentary, especially if they have a heavier guy to just go and get pucks for him, just retrieve pucks. Because that's an area where both of them are kind of iffy at, at at various points. But just a guy like you're designated like, oh, well, here's your wall grinder, you know, who just shows up and he just rah, 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 gets into it and just bodies guys. And like Nachushkin's a big body. If that's all you ask Valerie Nachushkin to do as an injury replacement. <clears throat> just be a large human right. being. <laughs> Go into a game. Be a big guy. And just go out, out muscle other guys. If he can't do that, why is he on your roster? That's a fair point to make, but I I guess I just wanted to bring up Jost as someone who stood out as doing all of the quality things, doing the little things that we've wanted to see out of him as compared to the rest of the Avs who at times tonight were struggling to make a 10-foot pass. I mean, they had one shot on goal in the second period, and they were missing 10 foot passes by five feet. 
it wasn't even close. Yes, fatigue, sure, that plays into it, but not that much. There was some brutal hockey going on. Yeah, I mean, you're lying if you don't think fatigue is a factor, but it's not an excuse. It's not It's not like we're sitting here like, Mah. they were tired, so it was fine that they lost the game. You know, like, they just got beat tonight. They got outplayed. They got beat. Whatever the reasons for that, okay. They're just reasons. You know, whatever. But I I I don't think that – I would like to – I think I'm going to do this over the next few days since apparently we have 13 days off again until they play again. Yeah, right. I'm going to go through the last couple years of the league. And just see how teams do at the end of five-game road trips. Because not following those kinds of like specific details super closely, the Avs only had one five-game roadie last year, and that was that, that road trip that ended in Ottawa where uh, they went out and they completely laid an egg. After like waxing Toronto a couple nights before, you're feeling like, like they got shut out in Montreal, they waxed Toronto, and then they had a day off, and then they go into Ottawa, and they just laid a huge egg. And it was a very frustrating game. Uh, everybody was very upset, <laughs> and, and partially because Ottawa and the draft pick, and like, oh my god, this is a disaster. But like, that was the fifth game in 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 of that road trip. Five games. It was their fifth game in nine nights, so one extra day. Uh, but they, it was the same team. You know, it was the, they looked tired the exact same way. And so I think out of curiosity, I'm just going to go and look. How do teams traditionally do on the fifth game of a five-game road trip? And I've talked to players about this, that going west to east is a lot harder than east to west. Yeah, you arrive in new cities at <laughs> three in the morning or whatever. Well, and, and everything is sped up. You know, when you yep. go when you go out west, you have more time to do stuff, which can mess you up in a different kind of way. But when you're going west to east, you have less time. You know, you're starting, your your body is not accustomed to starting at, a, at the, that early. Everything is just off timing-wise. It's all moved up. And <clears throat> it's just an adjustment. You know, again, these aren't excuses. It's just, the, it's just what I've been told talking to players is that it's harder to go out east than it is to go out, like, for a Western Canada trip, for example. If they were only going to go out west, and they have one of those coming up in three weeks, four weeks, they're going to uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton and Vancouver and Calgary. And I think by the end of that trip, you'll see. And then to Minnesota, you'll see. By the end of that trip, I bet they have more legs than they did tonight. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if they did. Also helps that, you know, if they can avoid back-to-backs and wonky schedules, but... Yeah, dude, why did three ga- three days off, back-to-back, three days off? It's really, really dumb. It just seems so pointless. You guys couldn't have spread these games out? Because essentially, they're one game that's now back at home. Because it's on a back-to-back and they've been on the road now for six straight games. That's essentially a seventh road game. Pretty much. I've, I've talked to players about this, that the first game back off of a long road trip does not feel like a home game. Because it's just, oh, we've been in six buildings for six different games. It's just a different environment. It's just a different one. You're not, you know, it's familiar, but it's still foreign. 
Yeah, you haven't had enough time to get comfortable again back in your own home and everything. <laughs> right. Especially in a back-to-back situation, you get in that night. You sure you get to sleep in your own bed, but you don't do anything. You're not in your normal home routine. You just wake up, you go to morning skate, and then you play a game. Right, and then they have three days off, and then they're finally going to be like, okay, we're home. They have a couple of games uh, at home, and then they have another back-to-back. Yep. It's weird. I don't like it. I imagine the players probably don't love it either, but I don't make the schedules, and neither do they. Yeah, and then, well, so we've got that. The Anaheim game starts a streak of, you know, they've got, then they have Florida at home and then Dallas at home. So three games at home and then one on the one in Arizona and then they go to Dallas where I'll be at that game. And then they come home for two more games and then they go back on the road for another five game road trip. Yeah, I I just didn't say I hate early season NHL schedules, at least in March. It's exhausting, but it's every other day. You know what the score is. Yep. You're getting on an airplane. You're going somewhere. It's every other day. Instead of this, like, oh, well, there's randomly a back-to-back here and a random... I I can't imagine being a player. Just in covering the team, it's frustrating enough. But being a player, okay, we just had an exhausting two-and-a-half-hour game. We're beat. Got to go get on an airplane. Got to fly somewhere. Got to wake up the next morning. Got to play another game. You're not playing three games in four days. And just getting crushed physically. And then you have four days off to where not only have you recovered, but you're just standing around waiting for hockey to happen. Yeah. Straight so, up. Man. It, it, it's messy. I know a million factors play into it, so we won't get into it more than that. This game, the game tapes thrown in the bin. As long as they show up in Vegas and don't look that lethargic again, you can go ahead and light a match and throw it in that bin. So final thoughts yeah. beyond that? Uh, final final thoughts, man. There's still 7-1-1. One, one. Um, the amount of positivity going into this weekend hinges entirely on Miko Rantanen's MRI. Yep. I think that pretty much sums it up. If it's not four to six months of no Rantanen, call it a W. And enjoy being at the top of the central still. One loss is just one loss. That is going to do it for us. Thank you for joining us on this late night Monday podcast or whenever you are listening to it. We always appreciate you and we will catch you tomorrow. In need of a top dog electrician, for over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract company in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call.